0: Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Angel Bonacare, whose name I am a thousand percent not sure I'm pronouncing correctly, even though I have known her for 20 plus years. Hey, old friend, here's to us. Who's like us? Damn few. Thank you, Angel. And if you'd like to get a thank you like that, though not probably exactly like that since I haven't known you for 20 years, or maybe I have. Anyway, you can go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and pledge your undying fealty to the original cast. There are several tiers in which you can join, but all tiers come with access to our bonus podcast, the original cast at the movies. This year is our sequels and biopics year. Uh, We have 24 Hour Party People was the last movie we just did with Chris Klimak and Casey Aaron Clark. We've got Shock Treatment coming up, the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. We've got The Lady Sings the Blues, uh, the Diana Ross starring biopic of Billie Holiday. We've got Amadeus, we've got Mamma Mia too. All these coming to you if you go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and become a patron of the original cast. There's over 50 episodes of the original cast. The movie's available now that you will instantly get access to as well as early access to episodes, access to live streams, all kinds of things you can get. Patreon.com slash originalcastpod. All right, here's the show.
1: Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you.
0: Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a comedian, writer, 2005 NBA champ. One of those is a lie. And you may also know him as the founder and editor-in-chief of the Broadway beat. It's Zach Raffio, everybody.
2: Hey, Hey, Zach.
0: There you go. (laughs) I should have something for that. It's, it's, you know, some kind of y'all ready for this should pop in. Yeah, you can find...
2: Um, find like an audio clip from like any get your gun of some <laughs> kind of sound effect. fired. <laughs> yeah. Some deep cut weirdo will recognize it. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, man. This this you everyone who
0: listens to this show is a deep cut weirdo. These are my people. <laughs> These are my folks. Uh, so we will definitely talk about, you know, your basketball prowess and the Broadway <laughs> beat, uh, and all of that. But mainly you're here to talk about the Lion King. <laughs> I had Haley Jane on two a couple of weeks ago and uh, now you're on do you guys just like love listening to t- musicals for p- people for all ages is this the uh, with Joseph and Lion King just constantly playing in your apartment or how is this uh... Yeah
2: neither of us have ever uh, listened to anything with a curse word in it oh, it's sort good. of like uh yeah it's sort of a rule of thumb got uh, it uh, I like to think we're not PG. missing anything yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one ever did well cursing uh, it never that never worked out uh, so, but I, uh, yeah, the Lion King. So I have to thank you. You have now completed in, in our original cast bingo card. We have now done, let me see here of the top 14 longest running shows in Broadway history. We have done all but three with oh, this, wow. with Lion King, which is third. We, no one has come on to talk about Jersey boys. And I probably wouldn't have them on if they did. Uh, <laughs> no one has come on to talk about Mamma Mia, which is actually a little more surprising to me. Uh, yeah. And there is no original cast recording for the 1976 revival of oh, Calcutta, So that one can't be covered, unfortunately. But yes, here we are. Lion wow. King still running. I walked past the marquee last <laughs> week uh, and, and there it is. There it sits there on Broadway. So I have to ask you, how did the Lion King come into your life?
2: Uh, so my parents are big theater people. My dad was a Broadway pit musician for thirty-five years. Mom oh, wow! Was a stage manager. Yeah. Speaking of long shows, he was at Chicago for thirteen years. Uh, oh, wow! Nice. Yeah. So. Long, long time hearing those songs uh, Yeah, wearing, wearing a tux on stage. So I was
0: going to say, I may have seen him on stage based on when I saw, saw Chicago.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the first 13 years of it, he, was, he played bass and tuba. So there's um, always been like a lot of musical theater sort of in my house. My parents were, uh, they, you know, exposed my brother and I to a lot of it early. And The Lion King was one where I had seen the Disney movie. I, you know, was familiar with it. But it wasn't like a a repeat viewing in my house. But mm-hmm. the cast recording, my parents loved, and like the additional songs, the way it was fleshed out, the production behind it, they were they just adored it. Uh, so mm. that was like a repeat play in my house. So what we we weren't like putting on like the VHS of the movie or anything. We were listening to the cast recording pretty consistently.
0: Really, the cast recording was the big thing. That's interesting. Yeah,
2: so that's always been like my reference point for the Lion King. Even though I obviously know it's not. The sort of right. beginning of it, yeah. Well, sure. There, so I'll tell you one thing that struck me uh,
0: lis- listening to this to talk to you. There are not a lot of songs in this show.
2: <laughs> yeah, not, especially not a lot of ones with like vocals or, or, or like, I mean, there's right. vocals, but not like, you know, furthering the story or anything like that. It's a lot of just uh, some really great instrumentals. Uh, yeah,
0: you really, because yeah. you expect... Or at least I expect, I mean, you, you, you know, a Disney movie has six songs basically in it, you know, cause it's, it's, it, and it never has any songs past like the end of act two in a film. You know what I mean? Like you never musicalize the finale. It's always an action packed race to the finish, you know? Yeah. So when they adapt them, they, you know, I'm always like, well, they have to add a bunch of songs in every version. This is no exception, obviously, but I was still really struck By the fact that it really does not have that many songs, and it was, it it was kind of weird that listening to it, getting to um, "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," and then the the CD is virtually over. (laughs) Like, really, there's only one one more song really in it with "He Lives in You," and then it's two instrumentals and the Circle of Life reprise. It's a real like, okay,
2: guys, like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean king of pride rock and, and the circle of life reprise like i think there are enough words in the first half of that but i think that one gets a pass because it's long yeah last one so you yes, kind of yes, feel yes. like all right and uh, like i get it but yeah simba confronts scar is just like bam, 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 for like
0: yeah it's well, just some zimmer thing. music
2: yeah yeah it's like i guess i'll picture a fight and right. i don't know
0: yes I, I don't i mean and it's cool it is cool to have underscoring and to hear underscoring in this but right it is still like, I don't know. It's just odd. It really struck me how few, few songs there were in this thing. Uh, and I guess we should, you know. So usually, <laughs> when I do a show for the first time, I have the guest summarize the plot. I guess I'll have you do that. I cannot imagine. I really can't. This is one of like every now and then we do a show like it's really famous. I'm like somebody out there maybe doesn't know the plot of, right. you know, something, but like, seriously, who doesn't know the plot of Lion King? But just, just for the, to complete the circle here. Yeah. Of circle life, of life there one, we huh? go.
2: You got it. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, can you summarize the plot of the Lion King?
2: <laughs> yeah, I got you. I'll, I'll be concise because I'm assuming people are familiar with it. Yeah. Um, so, uh Mufasa, he's, he's uh, the, does he have a title? What's his deal?
0: I mean, he's king.
2: Yeah, he's king, he's of, like the king of the jungle. Maybe? Well, it's not the
0: jungle, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's king of Pride Rock. I think in the movie is kind of the bit. It's
2: and that's sort say. of, yeah. And that's he's the vibe king. they go for. Yeah, Whether right. he has the job title or not, he's, yeah. he's doing those duties. Yes. Um, and his son is Simba and his son's really excited. Uh, he idolizes his father. He's excited to one day uh, be king himself. Uh, he's got an uncle named Scar who's very, very naughty and does not <laughs> like Mufasa very much. And Scar uh, kills Mufasa. He kills his brother, which uh, is, is, isn't it's great. No, to, yeah. no. no. Uh, yeah. So we fast forward like at the, the last song of Act 1, uh, uh, Simba meets uh, Timon and Pumbaa, who are these uh, guys running around causing a ruckus. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he's a child, and they're like, why don't we take this little boy with us? And they all start hanging out, and then we fast-forward to the end of Hakuna Matata, the famous song, and Simba's now an adult. Um, Scar has sort of, like, run amok around Pride Rock, and uh, oh, also Simba's in love with Nala, who's his childhood friend, uh, who I think, is that Heather Headley in the... It like is Heather it? Headley in this recording, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, Shadowland is so good. Oh, yeah, Um uh And... He, you know, uh, takes down Scar and he learns that even though his dad Mufasa has gone, everything he taught him and everything he instilled in Prior Rock lives within Simba. And uh, Scar goes away and, and Simba rules the land and everyone's happy again.
0: There you go. That works. Yeah. It's, I mean, and as it's, and it's the famous, you know, synopsis is, it, it's Hamlet essentially yeah <laughs> uh with an action-packed finale <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I, guess, I guess technically hamlet has an action-packed fin- finale this this is a little happier for our hero than uh, than <laughs> yeah. hamlet is um yeah it's uh, and obviously based on the the animated disney film it came out three years after the movie did on broadway famously directed by julie Taymor.
2: um have you seen it I have I saw it very late like I saw it I I was think I was like high school age so I've been listening to it for Mm. easily a decade more um but I have seen it it's a visual masterpiece I
0: mean I would say it's a
2: gorgeous gorgeous production yeah it's it's one more thing that you're like oh that's so neat after another like the entire time it's just it's it's a lot of fun yes um but yeah I have I've only seen it the one time
0: I saw it on, I think I saw it on tour and it's the same, yeah, but it was, it's still like tremendously visually startling with all the puppets and the, Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a feast to be, and it's very easy to, to see why it will run forever, you know, and right. it is, I think
2: the highest grossing show in Broadway history. Um, And I think even the trouble with the synopsis is part of the reason it'll run forever and that people don't need the synopsis, you know, people know the Lion King and they're just, and um, yeah, it's, and it's, it's like, I don't think it's a very long show, is it? Or is it? No, it's not.
0: It's about two, two, two and a half hour show. I would say, which, you know, is long with kids, but there's an intermission and that's what you sort of expect when you go to a Broadway show, I think. Yeah. Um, I
2: guess it, it maybe just flies more. Like I remember seeing it and thinking like that couldn't have been, the length in the playbill but well, I guess. And that's the thing of it also is that it's funny that after this
0: success to me, it was incredibly successful production that Disney didn't look at The Lion King and go that's what we need to do. We need hmm. to really reinvent the show for the stage from a visual standpoint. Because Beauty and the Beast is very straightforward, you know, stage adaptation right. of the movie. And then they did Lion King. And, it, and it's this entirely, like, different, you know, reimagined with, like I say, with all these puppets and all this, like, mask work. I mean, it's an intensely theatrical production. And then I guess Aladdin was next. Or maybe Little Mermaid. And Little Mermaid, I think, was next. And yeah. it's just, they just, you know, roller skates. That was all they, you know, they were like Starlight Express. They They didn't really... They didn't think to to then really think about like how they could translate it. And it shows that this is the most successful Disney property on Broadway. Aladdin, I think, is still running, but it is like, you know, this is the one, not not any of the others. And I really think they learned all the wrong lessons (laughs) in a lot of ways and should have really brought in Julie Taymor to do everything uh, visually arresting as she is and everything she does.
2: Uh, yeah, I've thought for like, you know, only as many years as it's been out. But I thought I think she would do an incredible job with like Moana or something yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's so much that could be really cool to translate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that music is great as well. Because it, it, it does like we think of it being this great re-envisioning of the movie, which it is from
0: a visual standpoint. But from an oral standpoint, like listening to songs, I think with the exception of, as we mentioned, there's two songs that I was that that kept ticking my ear as wildly different from the movie, sort of expansions on the movie universe, mm. you know, they still fit in the score. Um, Cause songs like the morning report is a cut song from the movie that they reinserted uh, and stuff like that. But listening to, to this, it was um, I was really struck by and they come back to back um, the madness of King's car. <laughs> These are for very different reasons. The madness of King's car and Shadowland, Like you said, I think those two songs, are really really like expansive kind of world building expand you know expanding the breadth of the show songs and it like especially now but, but for two very very different reasons uh let's start with the positive and start talking about shadowland which is not even an elton john tim Rice song it's sort of lyrics to a Hans zimmer melody uh giving the character of nala like something to do is a really really interesting idea and a smart one
2: It's just like, I don't know. It, it's it's. I think listening to it again too, it's like it's a lot of guy voices for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, I think the idea of giving Nala like a really firm song, you mean a great song too. It just like breaks it up, helps the flow a little bit. Um. Yeah, I love that song. Um. But real quick, you don't think Chow Down adds a bunch of new layers to uh, <laughs> the Lion King? These are the only two you want to talk about? <laughs> not. Not. <laughs> pop punk anthem chow down
1: <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit baby my stomach's on the growls on the
0: one of those musical it's one of those moments that like people make fun of in musicals where they take a like a one and a half minute movie scene and expand it into a five minute song where they just sort of circle around the same points over and over again and repeat yeah. some familiar
2: dialogue it, I mean, that's it, essentially the morning report too. Like, as you mentioned, yes. it's like this the, the scene where he's oh, teaching man. them how to pounce, and it's like, what if we made that two and a half minutes? It goes and on for so long. It it's it's very catchy, but yeah, it is one of those things where it's like, I remember that scene in the movie a little. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
0: and it's in the movie now. That song, that vert is in the movie. If you get the like, I probably if you watch it on Disney Plus. But it's like one of the reasons my oh, wife and I keep it? Yeah, it's what we keep hanging on to these our dvds of some of these movies to show the kids because they're just like no like that doesn't that doesn't happen <laughs> so it's like a little scene because the scene is super cute where he teaches him how to pounce on zazu and zazu yeah gets, he, you understand that zazu is a sort of beaten down like humorously you know it really puts you lets you know who zazu is and like why zazu has a certain amount of animosity towards simba But and why he sort of treats him like a kid in a really, really real like and and be treats him the way he does, Um, which is great. In the song, I don't really I mean, aside from all those like, man, I'll tell you, Tim Rice can like write a list, I guess, like and like anybody (laughs) can. But that like litany of of animal, I will put jokes, dad jokes, we'll call them animal dad jokes is just like. Man, this is the second damn song. It is too early for this in the show. Chimps are going ape, (laughs) giraffes remain above it all. Elephants remember, though just what I can't recall. Crocodiles are snapping up fresh offers from the banks. Showed interest in my nest egg, but I quickly said, no thanks. We haven't paid the hornbills, and the vultures have a hunch. Not everyone invited will be coming back from lunch. (laughs) This is the
1: The long and the short, every grunt, raw and snort, Not the tail I distort, on the morning report. What are you doing, son? Bouncing.
2: I mean, it's it starts off mapping like like finance. Yeah, like the animals world. We
0: haven't paid which, the hornbills.
2: I made the hornbills, um the, the gators, they're like getting fish from like the banks or something. so yeah. like, oh, that's right. The gators are or, yeah, the gators are yes, withdrawing from the banks or something. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like gosh. And it's it's so funny, and it's it's <laughs> and I think it's very clever. Like it, but I don't know, it's it's also like I don't have a word for it. I it love just,
0: it. Do you really? Okay, see that's yeah. interesting. I, this is interesting, an inter- and actually this kind of ties in a little bit to what Haley and I were talking about, where it's like, I was, so- I mean, the movie came out when I was in high school, and I saw it in theater and then babysitting on mm. endless loop. I mean, everybody had this VHS and, and it would just be, it would always be the one that was on. So the movie, I'm not, I, like, I think the movie's really good. I'm not, it's not one of my favorites, but I do think it's very, very good. Um, but it's in my head, you know, in a very, very specific way. And when you do things like the morning report, like you said, it, it, it just feels very wrong to me <laughs> in a very, very real way. And a lot of that has to simply do with the fact that I'm used to it the other way. I mean, that's a big, that's a big part of it. Certainly.
2: And that's probably a big reason why I love the morning report in that my, the cast recording was kind of like my right mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, so some of these songs, when, I mean, like, I haven't seen the Disney Plus or, like, you know, any kind of addition, like putting that scene back in. But to me, like, I mean, I understand it on paper that it's not right. And i understand standing on paper that the song is crazy. Mm -hmm. But in my, like, primal reaction to it, I'm like, this song's a fucking banger. You can't get rid of the morning (laughs) report. It's long and it's short.
0: You're not going to sit here and not talk about it. How can we not sing about the morning report? It is also from yeah. like a musicals standpoint, just a weird song to put second.
2: Cause it's, like usually yeah,
0: if, if you think that like, usually the second number in a more traditional musical is kind of a more upbeat, short, like I, there's a term for it, but the, the song I always think of in this case is I can do that from chorus line, which is mm-hmm. just like a tap number off the jump. That's like two and a half minutes long. We're just going to give you a big like number before things get serious yeah. This really just like, just sort of happens. Like it just sort of th- pops in, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't get why, why we're here exactly. Especially with, we're, we're very close to. I just can't wait to be king. You know what I mean? Like we're very close to it, and it's just not, it's not there. <laughs> we're not there yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like almost not short enough to just be like a bridge between the opening and I just can't wait to be king. Mm-hmm. But it's not long enough, or like it doesn't make enough sense to be its own thing. It's kind of this weird No Man's Land song. Yeah. Um, but that's fine.
0: We've also talked about it now longer than I think it deserves. So we're just yeah, yeah. We'll go back,
2: back to the madness of King Scar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach! My God, man, I forgot about that song. That song's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sire. Nobody loved me. There's the rub. Not even as a cub! What did my brother have that I don't have?
1: Do you want the short list or the long? Whatever.
0: Well, he had adoring subjects. A loving family.
1: A devoted queen. That's it. I need a queen. A what? A queen,
2: man, a queen. Without a queen, what am I? A dead end. No line, no descendants, no future. With a queen, I'll have... Cubs. Immortal. Immortality will be mine.
1: Immortality will be mine. Not Scar. Oh, Nala. No. Your timing couldn't have been more perfect.
0: My, how you've
1: grown.
0: And we are suddenly in this wild, like really feeling inappropriate scene <laughs> where like Scar is, all over nala and it just i totally i mean i've seen the show i've listened to this recording i i you know i'd seen it happen and it just flew out of my head so when it started happening <laughs> listening to this <laughs> album i was real like they're not gonna oh they are Oh no. Oh God. Like it just really goes this very, very odd
2: place very, very quickly. It's the one song that has the little E for explicit on uh, the spot. Oh, does it? No, I'm kidding.
0: That'd be so funny if it did.
2: (laughs) Because she just in the middle is like, oh, no. (laughs) It just drops it and it's like out of there. Yeah. There's there's another intermission for some reason (laughs) after that. It's
0: a three act musical. The third act
2: is like two songs. Super short, but like, yeah. Yeah. out uh, Zazu listing stuff that doesn't yeah. sound like him always song. classic <laughs> a classic
0: thing a classic thing for Zazu to do but so if your dad was a pit musician I mean you must have been knee deep in musicals from the time you were little am I right
2: yeah um, my, my favorite musical I've never seen it but my favorite musical uh, that I've never seen is Parade and ah, I used right. to listen to Parade constantly and then I learned what Parade was about as I got <laughs> older, and I learned about the context of all those songs I love and mm-hmm. I was like this I mean I was like now I, this is you know art that affects me in a different way sure um, so I'd love to see Parade one day but yeah Parade was a, was a huge one in the house um, yeah uh, it's a little uh, cliche at this point but I mean once, once Wicked came out he was just like look I gotta go with what I gotta go with um <laughs> He was, like, he was like i'm gonna play the hits if, if, if they're hitting so um yeah my, my dad introduced me to wicked which was cool yeah um but yeah um uh parade was really like i think that there was a ton of others but i think like the ones that were most formative to me that would be player around the house were the lion king and parade um the lion king also like my dad played music so loud and oh, that's yeah. something that I've like inherited. Like, and, and I, I live with Haley, uh, uh guest of the pod. Right. And she does not do that. So it's very <laughs> often that like will <laughs> very lightly butt heads on just volume. But in my head, I'm like, well, why would you listen to it and inquired mm-hmm. this? It's so listening to like the you know, he lives in you reprise, like super loud in our living room is like a core memory of like that's how you're supposed to listen to these songs when mm-hmm. there's a big chorus and big, you know, drops and 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 stuff like that it's gotta be really loud uh so i think lion can kind of taught me that that's how i like to listen to music too Mm -hmm. for better or worse sure
0: i mean yeah with that with the uh, you know hans zimmer requires being played at a a certain volume like i think that's where he and elton john too i mean these are and it's recorded that way i think that's a really both that and parade are are big scores with big orchestrations and large orchestras and so it makes a lot of sense to to crank the volume on them. Certainly,
2: yeah. I mean, they're. I mean, Lion King, particularly. I mean, there's. An, it's like anthem after anthem. Um, also, like you know, the last song, like the the last circle of life Priest," It does that thing. I, I'm such a sucker for when it's like kind of stops and then rises a bit. The my cup (laughs) that's my thing so listening to that really loud is Mm -hmm. you don't get that experience again like after your first time listening to that like really loud that it's ah so good
0: so what did you so well i mean what what the stories you're telling me are kind of drawing the broadway beat into very sharp focus for me but i don't want to get (laughs) there there quite yet uh but so when you you grew up in this this house full of specifically show music were you encouraged to to go into show music in any way or was it just sort of like this is what i do and you you know just want to share it with you and you do your thing or or were you discouraged um, from going into it at all
2: i was like jokingly discouraged so my uncle was a trumpet player as well he was the trumpet player at wicked and the radio city christmas show um oh, wow. I have another uncle who uh is a lighting designer um so like it was you know, like a family business of like, yeah yeah so like so there was just like a a a lot of different people coming around a lot of people like you know even on different sides of the family who just knew each other or worked with each other or knew all the same people so there was Mm -hmm. always kind of like theater chatter around me which I always thought was like so exciting and really cool and there were so many names I would hear like I would hear like the names of like the local union rep and to me they were like someone that everyone knew Mm -hmm. like they were like they were like a, a real celebrity in the world. Cause I was like, Oh, well, my uncle's talking about them and my dad's talking about them. So right. this must be someone must who's be in somebody. the news. Right. In reality it's just like a cello player at a show who got elected <laughs> to this board seat. Sure. Um, so I think it's, it, it, in a fun way skewed my vision of the world for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of everywhere, but I, I was, I definitely wasn't like, I, I don't know. I, I, did like band and stuff like the way every like elementary middle schooler kind of does, but I wasn't very disciplined with it. And I think it became clear that I didn't have any kind of natural love for like music specifically or or any natural like talent for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So once that became clear, I definitely wasn't like pushed into pursuing it at all. I think we all kind of got those cards out on the table that like, Hey, this isn't going to be his thing. And that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older brother who he's not in uh the music sphere either but he was actually very talented. He was a trombone player which you yeah. know, big money in trombones. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And, um he actually did have like a natural talent and I like, played for many years. So it was quite good but then, you know, just didn't pursue it as just like didn't a take it on. profession. Yeah. yeah.
0: Didn't go on the circuit, the, tr- the trombone circuit. Yeah, yeah, know, he didn't you
2: know. tour with his trombone. Not him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys missed the Ska Revival, I guess. So his, his chances were <laughs> were slightly limited. Yeah. And that wonderful yes. two-year period where you could make a killing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> born a little bit Put change on your wallet. He
2: would have he would have really he would have racked Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did you wind up in comedy?
2: Um interesting question. Uh I think I just kind of like I started just doing stand up a bit um and then I started writing for a website called The Hard Times. Mm-hmm. Um which I oh, I'm wearing this shirt actually for the hard no. times. Yeah. Go. that's fun. <laughs> uh visual medium. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I started writing for the hard times which is sort of like a music punk culture uh satire website and that really taught me how to write satire. Um which was something that I like immediately kind of loved and sort of loved the challenge of thinking in that uh realm. Mm. And you know I had again like a grew up loving theater. I did, you know, just theater in high school and stuff, but I've always kind of been a fan um, at like different entry points. So I kind of thought like, you know, the theater world is a, it's a big world, uh, but it's also a niche world in that sense. So maybe there's like room for some kind of, you know, the hard times, but for theater. Um, So toyed with it for a bit and then transitioned into that. Um, But yeah, I don't, yeah. As far as comedy in general, I think I just like kind of just wanted to and i just tried it <laughs>
0: what was the what was the big early influence with you for comedy that got you one
2: um my biggest so i thought about it for a while and been like hey it's something i like to try like i I write a lot and i'd like to you know translate that into some kind of performing mm-hmm. side but i saw mike Rabiglia do like an early version of uh his show thank god for jokes mm-hmm. and it was like it was at my college so it was in a pretty small venue um And I just remember like there was so much joy there and like, Mm -hmm. it really didn't feel like someone doing an hour of stand-up and storytelling. It felt like someone having a conversation with you. Um, and something about it just made me so happy. and made everyone in there so happy. I just thought like, if I could, you know, this sounds cheesy, but I was like, if I can find a way to like create that kind of environment somehow, um, that'd be really exciting for me because like, I, I enjoyed experiencing that so much. I should try to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of like the catalyst but but to make me actually say like, all right, let me give it a a try in some form.
0: That's Uh, a very, it's interesting. It's a very theatrical reason, I think, to get into comedy, that it it is the communal, if that's what you responded to in a certain way, like creating an environment in the room, not like listening to, you know, like comedy records or watching something on television, but like it was the, the theatrical experience. And Mike Birbiglia is obviously a excellent bridge between the worlds of theater and stand-up comedy because his stuff just straddles that line unabashedly and doesn't you yeah know, will not choose which side it, it settles on um that's yeah, really that, yeah. there's a
2: good chance there's a good chance that's why it was kind of something that like drew me too because mm-hmm. like, theater is something i loved and to see like a version of stand-up comedy which i also loved sort of tackle both was uh, it was very affecting
1: mm-hmm
0: that makes a lot of sense that's really that's that's a very interesting sort of parallel what were you studying in
2: school when you when you got up there uh i majored in something called cinema studies um yeah the way i like to describe it it, uh suny purchase go panthers yeah there you go uh the way i like to describe it is you know like a creative writing class will probably teach you elements of how to write whereas like a Sort of like literary studies class will teach you how to analyze books. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a film program at our school, but this was not that. So the film program taught you how to make movies, and cinema studies taught you how to watch movies. And when I tell you the job market for people who just know how to watch movies, mm-hmm. it, there's maybe like three jobs. Yeah, totally. Um, for that. And they're cool jobs and they're necessary jobs. You know, we need critics, we need curators, we need everything in there, but the opportunities to get those positions are not. Very yeah
0: fruitful. no those aren't
2: yeah it's not um, a growth
0: industry I yeah
2: so i i ended up minoring in screenwriting but i also got into uh, i took some like um courses in kind of like public relations and like fundraising for the arts and stuff like that cause I oh thought, wow like okay this feels adjacent um mm-hmm. so i think that helped me to just think of like okay what other kind of positions of work are there in the arts what kind of what are the sort of behind the scenes things that go into the arts um I think that was really valuable. I think it took me like two years of sort of like watching a movie for homework and being like, I'm not really getting what I need from this to be like, all right, I got to stay in the arts, but how can I find out what else is here? Um, sure. So I'm glad I realized that two years in. Well, is- and
0: I, yeah, but I think it, it it's also interesting that having grown up in a, in a household was surrounded by people that were in those fields, like a arts you know, not not arts adjacent exactly, but arts. You know, they weren't they they weren't the stars. They were in in the band, or they were designing right. lights, or they were doing any of that. It is those other jobs that not everybody sees when you you know go see a show. Not everybody's aware of of the crew or the pit. You yeah, know, that's not that's not necessarily right. It's something that everyone's staring at. So you obviously had sort of a a leg up there too to be like, oh no, there's all kinds of jobs <laughs> floating around everywhere for this sort of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like like there's people who don't know like that a stage manager exists, which is fine. No one's saying they have to. They're not there to, you know, get the the whole like call sheet for everyone coming that day. But um, it was interesting knowing that like, oh, a lot goes into this. Yes, Um, and and that's always something that's just kind of fascinated me on a certain level too. Um, and I and as much as like it fascinates me, I also like still need to learn more about sort sure. of like the back end of like theater and the arts in general. Like, I feel like I'm still learning stuff and it's always really exciting.
0: Well, I think everybody needs to learn more about, about that, which it, it, <laughs> really I do because it is, it's so poorly understood. And yeah. so, as you say, essential. Uh, Cause I even think that like the, the joke I thought of when you say there's people who don't know what a stage manager is. And I thought, yes, they're called producers. <laughs> it is this idea of like there's an underappreciation for the importance of everybody on the chain right and that you know while all these people on the chain don't literally put butts on the seats when their names on the poster there without them it doesn't matter if everybody puts butts in the seats because there won't be anything to look at so, you know, it is, it, it is a crucial, I, I think everyone could use a little arts education who's in the arts about what goes into making a show, what, you know, how, how all these people take, you know, it takes a village to say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, yeah. I mean, at, at, at worst, it'll just make you appreciate your position mm, in creating mm-hmm. that thing to like be given sort of a primer on everything that, that goes into it. You know, that's, that's the worst case scenario. Um, yeah. Best case scenario, you know, you'll make a, a lot difference. of really great things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're right.
0: Worst case scenario, you become appreciative, you know, like which yeah. is which is great. Yeah, but best case, maybe you maybe you could change things and make everybody, everybody appreciative. Spread the yeah. word. There's that a lot of people good. involved. Yeah. I like that. That's okay. I also, and then again, this connects to me a little bit to to Lion King in the sense that Lion King is the kind of theater I love the most, which is where you can see the strings they mm-hmm. don't like it is they don't try to hide any of it you know what I mean right. like I mean a great example of that is something like if you've never seen the show or if you haven't seen it in a while do a google image search of Timon and Pumbaa who are these iconic Disney creations you know exaggerated yeah. animal cartoons and when they put them on the stage the, the actor playing Timon is, you know, dressed in green, which doesn't really blend into the background, operating a puppet. So you can see him, but he's sort of, you know, meant to fade in the background. But the actor playing Pumbaa is wearing this, like, giant face, basically. And it couldn't look any weirder when you really start to stare at it. Uh, but it looks good. In the context of everything else that's going on. And that's what, that's the kind of theater I, you know, the birds are flying because people are whipping them around on top of poles, you know, fishing rods and and things like that. It, it becomes sort of like a celebration of the, the the show, but also a celebration of theater.
2: So growing up uh, near me, there was a theater called the Westchester Broadway theater. Mm. Um, And and it was like a, you know, like a dinner theater. Um, They did some really great shows. And, when I was in high school, I went to see Singing in the Rain there, and I think it had only you know most of their shows would run for like they do like a month and they do like a month of a new show and then they do like a month of some kind of like cabaret or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Singing in the Rain was the show, it was only like the third night that they were doing it, and they announced that the uh normal actor who playing the Gene Kelly role uh won't be on tonight, he's not feeling well, so the choreographer. It's going to be on because understudies aren't ready, mm-hmm. uh so you know be patient with them was right. the idea, and we were like, yeah, absolutely, um, so he had the script with him the whole time, it was great, the dancing was fantastic because he was right quite I'm unsure. sure, yeah, um he at one point you know he didn't know the words to the song singing in the rain, so he like <laughs> sort of like queued up the audience to sing it for him, which was like you know, it's like people paid money, yeah, but at the right. same time, it was cute, and it was fine, and like yeah. he was trying they were working with what they had. But I found out after from like a friend in the show that the actual actor, he wasn't sick. He was, they were rehearsing during the day and he went backstage and he was like sweaty or something. So he grabbed the first like rag he saw and he wiped his face with it. And it had like, not cleaning supply, but like something for like some kind of like industrial chemical on it. And he was temporarily blind for like, 24 hours you couldn't oh see my
1: God. so
2: that's why they had the conduct and it was like not long before the show that's why the the choreographer not conductor choreographer oh, yeah like had to hop on and i was like okay well yeah obviously they're not going to come on the loudspeaker and tell us <laughs> right that, that there was an industrial tale. accident backstage <laughs> yeah <laughs> that there was this like freak scenario oh but gosh that always stuck with me that i was like pam anything could happen
0: so i want to ask you uh, about specifically though, about the Broadway beat, which, uh, I said this to Haley when she was on, but I'll say it again. I absolutely adore the Broadway beat. Um, I love it. Uh, may, I mean, I love it cause it's hilarious, but the, the thing beyond the fact that it's hilarious is I, I think you guys really hit the tone exactly right of what makes theater, theater kids, uh, specifically <laughs> absurd and it's that way where I can feel seen and attacked at the same time. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a pretty, pretty great uh, yeah. scenario. You have a Lion King headline up there right now. I'm just now seeing which is mom <laughs> received gifts of afternoon spent wrangling four kids at Lion King matinee. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. <good time.
2: laughs> Absolutely Thank you. Perfect. That's very, very, very kind of you. Um, how did
0: it, how did it, how did it come about?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, um it's just, Kind of the intersection of I've been writing for the hard times, really love satire and again, had like a theater background, love theater and kind of thought like, could there be some an audience for this in some way? Um, because again, I think theater is like seen as a niche, but it's a big niche and it's a very, very passionate niche. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I talked to Haley and um, one of our closest friends, Edward Precht, um, and another friend named Justin Ayer, who's very funny, very in, uh, in tune with the theater world. And we just started like putting some headlines together, started to think like, what would this site look like? What would it look like if people wanted to write for us? All the kind of questions that you sort of fill in. Um, and for the first few months, it was like, you know, mostly us, a lot of myself and then, and then, you know, my three, you know, close confidants, uh, <laughs> uh, sort of like writing and going over things. And there's a few people who like reached out with headlines, but it was kind of just like the small little like brain trust, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you know some more people started reaching out and then more on top of that which was great um i really got to build like a nice community of writers you know slowly but surely um it felt very homegrown which was nice um and it's it's yeah i mean it's been a ton of fun um i think yeah uh seen and attacked is really actually like the it's kind of, I'd say, the thesis of the site, even though I never realized it could be phrased that way. But that, is, <laughs> but that is kind of it in the sense that, like, we always want to communicate to, like, any contributors and to ourselves that, like, we love theater and we we are inspired by it. Um, so even though we're making fun of elements of it, we're making fun of ourselves and we're having, we're laughing, like, together, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we would never write an article that's like, this show sucks because that's not the mission of the site. It's not satire either, but you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. Um, so I think that that's kind of the way it's like anything we we make fun of, like there's a part of us in that, that we're making fun of. Um, so it's never like fully us pointing at something or like punching down or anything like that. Like it's punching across mm-hmm. if anything. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> and every now and again, punching up, I, I think is a good,
2: definitely punching up, but, but, Never punching down, just sometimes just slapping ourselves in the face, which is right. fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to ask, because it is niche. I mean, you're not wrong. And it's also sort of niche within niche a little bit, being <laughs> that like it's you know, satirical style news reporting on on theater. So it has its own, yeah. you know, secondary nicheness inside of it. How many times do you have to throw away a joke because it's just too niche within the niche within the niche.
2: Um, it's a good question. I think I think the only time we had to throw away jokes is there's been a few that we were like, "This is really really funny, but it's just not worth the risk of people getting mad."
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
2: like, and there's something to be said for maybe when you really examine that, maybe that that means it wasn't punching across or punching. Mm-hmm. Up, you know, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to go by case by case. But I think when it comes to being super niche, like we've run some that I didn't understand the pitch and I'd have to ask the contributor like, Hey, before I pass on this, can you just clarify the joke here? Because Mm -hmm. it may be something I'm not familiar with and they explain it and I look it up and it's super funny. Mm. Um, We've had that, you know, it doesn't happen as often as ones that we kind of get immediately. Um, But I think when it comes to that niche stuff, it's like, you know, if a few people get it and it really speaks to them specifically, and I mean, specifically, Mm -hmm. um, that's fine because if you don't get one joke, you know, the next article you're going to love. It is kind of like my thought behind it. Um, And if not, if we're not going to be the ones to make those hyper specific jokes, for people in the theater community, who's going to. Right. Um, So I think like, that's not, yeah, I think like it being too niche or anything is, is not something that would like scare me away Mm -hmm. um, necessarily, as long as it's still like funny and I can like be, you know, explained or can find it on my own sort of what the take is. Sure. Um, because, you know, sometimes things are just like niche and they don't necessarily work.
0: Right. I mean, yes, there because there are some things that can be classified as niche that are really just like, just no, that's just literally <laughs> just you. You think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that's fine. Like you go ahead. But like, we're we're trying to run a website here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like,
2: like one of my rules for the site is if the person is uh, if the person's not incredibly famous or naming their actual name isn't integral to the piece. You got to mm-hmm. make up a name because again, mm-hmm. there are people, mm-hmm. if you look at like the list of Tony award nominees, like these people are, if they weren't before now, big names in the theater community and notable names. But as far as like general pop culture goes in the general public, they might not be very well known. So right. we don't want one of the first results when you Google um, Matt like Doyle. Gabby Beans, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. To be them saying this fake, insane thing they didn't say, right? It, it, it's really just like a courtesy at that point because it doesn't help us to like put people in that position. Sure. Um, so that's that's like a big rule of the site too. Where if it's not like you know a Lin Manuel Miranda adjacent name where people will see it and be like, oh, I know they didn't say this thing, or we don't need to name them for the story, then we just absolutely always make them up.
0: Um, yeah. I mean I think you have one on there right now about um which is very funny of uh Aaron Tivet and fake mustache and glasses asking for the same Tony nominations as last year which is a pretty yeah. good <laughs> solid joke as well. Um obviously he's he's fine. He, he when you search his name lots of results are going to come up. You guys won't yeah.
2: Be, yeah. And it's so absurd that like right. it'll take you a second to be like if someone does think for some reason for a second it's real, I think that'll go away pretty quickly. <laughs>
0: But the, um, the, I will say that one that like the the tone that suits sort of I mean I'm just flipping I'm not going to read these headlines because that would just be super boring. But it is like just <laughs> go to the website and and you'll see what I mean right away, folks. And I, I said this when Haley was on. If you're not if you're listening to this podcast and not reading the Broadway Beat, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> but one that really not got me knocked me down a little bit recently uh was about the minutes, which is so funny that like especially all the conversation now around it with the tony awards the fun carrie coon's husband wrote a little play uh, which is just like <laughs> that joke works on like nine nine levels for me <laughs> of, of i love the fact but like more than anything re- being rewarded for the fact that i know carrie coon who carrie coon's husband is it's just such a great like Having recently watched the, the Ghostbusters Afterlife with my son and being like, oh, yeah, OK, that all makes sense. Like the casting of this movie makes a little more sense. I'm being like, oh, yeah, that felt like it was written just for me, which I think is you're kind of right on. I mean, I, I like that attitude because you're right at the crux of something, which I think is is very true uh, and actually connects with some stuff I've been thinking about uh, regarding Strange Loop, which is mm-hmm. hyper specificity is always uh more connecting with an audience it's something that we're taught as writers a lot to not be to be specific to not you know don't work in generalities. Yeah. give your characters specific jobs in specific places doing specific things give them specific backstories you know add detail it will make it oddly more universal and it's a hard thing to believe and to swallow that like hyperspecificity is more universal but i think it is and i also think hyperspecificity in the writing on your site is funnier like it's just the 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 general detail the crafting of a character into that very specific way it's just more fun to read. It, it all feels very alive. And then you can be more absurd with it because it feels very grounded in so many wonderful details.
2: Yeah, and I think it, it helps it uh, stop it from feeling limiting in the sense that it's like, okay, the Broadway beat, they just talk about Broadway productions. It's like, no, right. this accompanies, it branches out to all different elements. You know, like, like we can encompass dancers acting in general, like local community theater. It, it can just go, you know, mapping things onto politics. Um, mm-hmm. Actors in Hollywood Who might have some kind of theater connection Now they do something General pop culture news items Mapping that into the theater world um, It really does open it up in the sense that it's like, like I feel like we never And this is a start of, partly a testament to like We have really, really great contributing writers They're always mm-hmm. so quick and so smart um, But I, I feel like we're, we're very rarely In like a need for an article In the sense that like we always mm-hmm. kind of have Some drafts mm-hmm. on deck Um, Which was like a concern early on, because like I said, like the first few months was just kind of our little squad writing. Um, So it was, you know, a few articles a week and stuff like that, Um, just because like the ideas being generated were just less frequent. But I think because we're able to like branch out and get super specific, um, yeah, it's really made it so that like, I feel like we have a a consistent stream of ideas being generated, Mm -hmm. which I which just makes me very happy from like an editor standpoint to say like, Oh, we're able to continue to create content. For
0: people. Yeah. I think, I mean, it, it's a great achievement and I'm, I'm very glad that you're cruising and and that you have found an audience and, um and that you're out there doing it because somebody should be doing it. So I'm glad <laughs> that it's out there and that it, it, is it? I mean, as I say, like I have a Twitter alert set up for you guys because it always makes me smile <laughs> when that pops up. That this always absolutely makes me smile.
2: Oh man. So you and, see when I have a typo and I delete it and then post it again? I do. Well, I, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do see that. Yes,
0: which is fine. That again, very real, very, very real to me. Uh, yeah, that had the sausage is made. That's true. Maybe Elon will give you that edit button and then we can all just, you know, you don't
2: have an edit button yet. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be a day? I I hang up. I never send you the logic recording. (laughs) End of thing. Uh,
0: Hard crashing for a second back into the Lion King. I have to ask, as I ask everyone, what is your favorite song?
2: Uh, He lives in you reprise. Um, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Best answer. Okay. Not only is it my favorite song off this cast recording, it's one of my favorite musical theater songs, period.
1: Mm. Wow.
0: Something
2: about it just, just gets me. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Something about it just makes me so hyped up. <laughs> are you, oh, man, are you a crier? Um, not. Okay. This is an insane way to answer this. Not a <laughs> physical one, <laughs> if that makes sense and i know it doesn't because that's not an answer to the question
0: i'm excited to hear what your next sentence is that's what i'll say
2: (laughs) oh so am i uh (laughs) how do i sort of well are you saying
0: if if i may are you saying that you while you don't go outwardly cry you do get very emotional that's exactly what what i'm trying
2: to say like like all the emotions that one would have when they're crying and Mm -hmm. that sort of like core human expression Mm -hmm. i think i get those and i get those pretty easily um but I don't think I. I don't like physically. You don't cry. actually cry, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I think gotcha. I do. I do everything
0: but. I do get that. That's interesting because, yes, I the the way you were just talking about, like the the songs, the the emotional appeal of certain things that you've been talking about feel like to me specifically. Who is a crier? I sob at everything, and <laughs> also seek it out on occasion. You know, when you're feeling especially like the the stuff that gets super emotional is like, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely here for you know the Les Mis finale every now and again just like turn that thing on and have a have a cry and then move on just get the emotions rolling
2: um, yeah there's a song called uh it's not a musical theater song but it's called uh, Afterlife by Arcade Fire mm. and it's one that I I don't let myself listen to very often because it gets like a really big like emotional impact mm-hmm. so I feel like I have to like space it out so that, like it doesn't lose its like potency mm-hmm. I don't want to build up like a tolerance to this song sure um and the, I, there might be others but that's really I'm the sure one where where, yeah. I'm, where i'm just like once a month you can have that five minutes <laughs>
0: <laughs> once a month you can feel
2: yeah the for it. and then it's back to the bedroom and it's back to work <laughs> get in your area
0: uh zach this was so much fun to talk to you about all these wonderful music theater and music theater adjacent things where can people find you on the internet
2: um, yeah, so definitely read the Broadway Beat Follow us on socials um, And and write for us Like We uh, are always taking new writers You can send uh, just five headlines No articles or anything Just just the headlines, That's all you need to send mm. um, And we'll get you set up We'll teach you how to write satire If you've never written anything before We have a Slack uh, with all the, the writers Which is a blast, you can join that It'll be great Night
1: And the spirit of Calling, oh, oh, ee-oh. Mama, mama oh, oh, land, and a voice, just the fear of a child. Answer, oh, oh, I am a man. Oh, because of am a car, when the thunder sees the sun.
0: the original cast is produced and edited by me patrick flynn please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice it's the easiest way to help the podcast grow go to bit.ly original cast store for t-shirts tote bags magnets and more if you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the Movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Zach Raffio for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal.
1: He lives you. Right.